Welcome to the Super Sleuth Podcast, presented by the Frostburg State University Children's Literature Center. Get ready to time travel with your hosts, Bill and Cameron, and use your detective skills to identify our mystery famous person. We'll give you 10 clues about our famous person, plus we'll give you the meanings of three vocabulary words related to our famous person. Using the 10 clues and three vocabulary words, can you identify our mystery famous person? Be sure to listen all the way through our podcast because Bill and Cameron will also have a special segment involving superheroes and will tell you all about an awesome new book. If you like our podcast, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud. Are you ready to have fun? Let's start the Super Sleuth Podcast. Welcome to episode two, season three. Uh, Cameron, can you tell the people who we were featured the last time? Yes. The person that we featured last time was none other than Eleanor Roosevelt. What a fantastic lady. And the book that we used was Eleanor Makes Her Mark, written by Barbara Curley, K-E-R-L-E-Y, and illustrated by Edwin Fotheringham, F-O-T-H-E-R-I-N-G-H-A-M. And now we're going to go over the vocabulary words from last week. And the first word was a noun, and the word was debutante, and it means an upper-class young woman making her first appearance in fashionable society. The second one was a noun, and the word was orphan, which means an individual whose mother and father have died. And the last vocabulary word was a verb, And the word was lie in state. And that means the body of a person of national importance is laid in a public place of honor before being buried. And um, the superhero from last week was Goku. So if you guessed Goku from the popular anime Dragon Ball Z, you were correct. Very good, Cameron. Are we ready for the clues for this episode? Yes, we are. All right. Clue number one. Born in 1904 to a family that loved to play, his mother as a child made up rhymes listing pie flavors for her family-owned bakery. Later, she sang these pie poem verses to him at bedtime, while his father liked to dream up goofy, complicated inventions, such as a silk stocking backseam wrong-detecting mirror. Clue number one. Born in 1904 to a family that loved to play, his mother as a child made up rhymes listing pie flavors for her family-owned bakery. Later, she sang these poem verses to him at bedtime, while his father liked to dream up goofy, complicated inventions, such as a silk-stocking backseam wrong-detecting mirror. Clue number two. As a child, he regularly visited the Springfield Zoo with his sister, Marnie, and then drew animals on the walls of her bedroom and made up names for them. One of his mother's favorites was a creature with ears that were nine feet long called a wimp-miff. And I'm going to spell that for you. W-Y-N-M-P-H. Clue 
Clue number two. As a child, he regularly visited the Springfield Zoo with his sister, Marnie, and then drew animals on the walls of her bedroom and made up names for them. One of his mother's favorites was a creature with ears that were nine feet long called a capital Wimmiff, W-Y-N-M-P-H. Clue number three. During World War I, he and his sister were bullied because their family came from Germany and America was at war with the Germans. Clue number three. During World War I, he and his sister were bullied in school because their family came from Germany and America was at war with the Germans. Clue number four. In high school, he enjoyed writing jokes for the school newspaper, but paid little attention to his schoolwork except for his English class. Clue number four. In high school, he enjoyed writing jokes for the school newspaper, but paid little attention to his schoolwork except for his English class. Clue number five. After graduation, he chose to attend Dartmouth because his English teacher was an alumna. He loved the college and made lifelong friends there. In his junior year, he was elected editor of Jacko, the school's newspaper. Clue number five. After graduation, he chose to attend Dartmouth because his English teacher was an alumna. He loved the college and made lifelong friends there. In his junior year, he was elected editor of Jacko, the school's newspaper. Clue number six. Graduated from Dartmouth with less than good grades, but tricked his father in sending him to Oxford University in England. It wasn't a good fit, and his mind often wandered, so he filled his notebooks with doodles about chickens with wing mill tails and dogs walking tightropes. Here he met his future wife, Helen. Clue number six. Graduated from Dartmouth with less than good grades, but tricked his father in sending him to Oxford University in England. It wasn't a good fit, and his mind often wondered, so he filled his notebooks with doodles about chickens, with windmill tails and dogs walking tightropes. Here he met his future wife, Helen. Clue number seven. Helen cared for him for 40 years. She handled money matters, shielded him from publicity, and went over every line he wrote, answered his fan mail, which one time exceeded a thousand pounds. She passed away in 1967. Clue number seven. Helen cared for him for 40 years. She handled money matters, shielded him from publicity, and went over every line he wrote, answered his fan mail, which one time exceeded a, exceeded a thousand pounds. She passed away in 1967. Clue 
Clue number eight. Left Oxford, returned to the United States, and accepted a job with a humor magazine called The Judge, where he was once paid in cases of shaving cream or cream soda and once received 1,872 nail clippers as payment. Clue number eight, left Oxford, returned to the United States, and accepted a job with a humor magazine called The Judge, where he was once paid in cases of shaving cream or soda, cream soda and once received 1,872 nail clippers as payment. Clue number nine, in 1928, he was discovered by the Flit company and that's spelled f-l-i-t who made a popular bug killer and whose sales soared because of his hilarious advertising cartoons clue number nine in 1928 he was discovered by flit company and flit is spelled f-l-i-t who made a popular bug killer and whose sales soared because of his hilarious advertising cartoons. Clue number 10. All his rhymes in his picture books are so natural, they look easy. But he said, every word is a struggle. And he might write and tear up 500 to 1,000 pages for each book. Clue number 10, all his rhymes in his picture books are so natural, they look easy. But he said, every word is a struggle, and he might write and tear up 500 to 1,000 pages for each book. Clue number 11, love to play practical jokes on his friends. Once he sneaked into the kitchen and put a huge plastic pearl in one of the oysters that was going to be served at dinner. And another time, he filled a friend's bathtub with jello and goldfish. Clue number 11. Loved to play practical jokes on his friends. Once he sneaked into the kitchen and put a huge plastic pearl in one of the oysters that was going to be served at dinner, and another time he filled a friend's bathtub with jello and goldfish. Clue number 12, his first picture book, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, was rejected by many publishers, but loved by children. This was followed by more than 60 books published in more than 20 languages, including Chinese, Swedish, and Spanish. Clue number 12. His first picture book, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, was rejected by many publishers, but loved by children. This was followed by more than 60 books published in more than 20 languages, including Chinese, Swedish, and Spanish. Clue number 13. He signed his books Dr. Seuss, but his real name was Theodore spelled backwards finally received an honorary doctorate from Dartmouth in 1955. Clue number 13. He signed his books Dr. Seuss, but his real name was Theodore, spelled backwards. 
finally received an honorary doctorate from Dartmouth in 1955. And now we're ready for our vocabulary word. And of course, as always, at least in the last couple episodes, our words come from our clues. So I will start, and the first word we're looking for is a noun, and the definition is a rough drawing made absentmindedly. We're looking for a noun for the first word, and its definition is a rough drawing made absentmindedly. The next clue is also a noun, and it means a graduate of a particular school. Once again, the second word is a noun, and it means a graduate of a particular school. And the third and last, we're looking for an adjective. Definition is conferred as an honor without completing the usual requirements or functions. Third vocabulary word is an adjective. Definition is conferred as an honor without completing the usual requirements or functions. And now we are ready to hear... Michaela, read the final part of the book, and it's exciting. All right, just so you remember, the book's called The Case of the Poached Egg by Robin Newman. Chapter 4, A Crack in the Case, 9 a.m., Most Oval Contest, The Barn. The next morning, everyone eagerly waited for the contest to begin. Colonel, you wanted to file a missing colonel report? We'll need you to sign it. I held out the paper and a pen. Later, right now, I need to judge the contest. The captain made his that's the fishiest excuse I've ever heard face. I glanced at my watch and took one more peek at the ransom note. We had one hour until Henrietta was scheduled to make the ransom drop. Five bags of unmarked corn. Captain, do you think the egg napper will show up? The captain's whiskers twitched. He wasn't sure. Here they come, I whispered to the captain. The chicken and goose eggs wiggled, wobbled, and rolled in front of Colonel Peck. One lone turkey egg would not budge. That's one hard-boiled egg, I nudged the captain. Colonel Peck scribbled some notes and passed an envelope to Miss Rabbit. For the first time in the history of the Big Spectacular, the winner is a goose egg. Congratulations, Gertie, Miss Rabbit announced. The crowd went wild. Gabby smiled, but wasn't exactly ecstatic. Something wasn't right. The reporters gathered around Gertie and Gabby. Rocky Raccoon, cub reporter for the Daily Bock, asked the first question. Gertie, what's it like being the first goose egg to win? I'll answer that, offered Gabby. Gertie is proud as a peacock, but winning isn't everything. It isn't, doesn't mean much when Penny is missing. Gertie is withdrawing from all other events. No questions, please. I thought you wanted to win, I said to Gabby. I do, but first we need to get Penny home safe. Any leads? Not much, I admitted. The captain pointed at the colonel. He was no spring chicken, but he sure could shake a tail feather when he needed to be somewhere in a hurry. I rushed up to him. Colonel, got a minute? Look at the egg timer. Not one second to spare, he huffed. Huffed and huffed, flapping away. Wait, you dropped your scorecard, I shouted, but he was already on the fly. I glanced at the card. 
Captain, you need to see this. We'd finally won the whole enchilada. The whole enchilada indeed. Chapter 5. The Ransom Drop. 10 a.m. The Stable. Henrietta, over here, I whispered. The captain handed her five bags of unmarked corn. If you need us, we'll be nearby. Holler the secret code. Backup is on the way. Bark, Henrietta clucked. The captain and I hid inside a horse stall. Then we waited and waited and waited. Just when the captain started to snore, a voice crowd, a voice croaked. Put the corn down and slowly walk away. Not without my penny, squawked Henrietta from one of those stalls. An egg slowly rolled toward her. Penny baby, cried Henrietta, hugging her egg. Now that penny was safe, Henrietta was madder than a wet hen. I'd never seen steam come off a chicken before. Come on out and show your feathers, she yelled, you big chicken. Think you can henpeck me, the voice jerked from the shadows. Our egg napper came into view. The bill, the waddle, and the comb. Colonel Peck, we knew it was you, I accused. Instead of crowing this morning, you poached Penny and left the ransom note. You figured everyone would be asleep. Nobody would suspect a rooster, right? And it worked, except for one thing. The captain handed the colonel the ransom note. See the letters E's? They're all backwards. We took writing samples from everyone. Nobody else writes their E's backwards. How did you know that I did? You dropped your scorecard. Well, one chicken and two little mice aren't going to stop me, sneered the colonel. I thought he might have a point when I remembered we'd had backup. I shouted the secret code. The eagle has landed! Nothing happened. Where was our backup? Did they chicken out? Without backup, we were sitting ducks. Sitting ducks indeed. The eagle has landed! The eagle has landed! I yelled even louder. Gabby, Porcini, and Miss Rabbit stormed into the stable. Maybe one chicken and two little mice can't stop you, but a very angry goose, pig, and rabbit will, I said. You're coming with us, Colonel Peck. I just wanted my corn back and maybe a little extra. It's not like I laid an egg. Colonel, where you're going to be cooped up, you'll never have to worry about missing kernels again. This case was finally looking sunny side up, sunny side up indeed. Chapter 6, A Spectacular Spectacular. 11 a.m., prettiest egg contest, the barn. Captain, there you are, I shouted. Penny and Gertie wiggled, wobbled, and rolled in front of Judge Porcini. Porcini handed Miss Rabbit the envelope. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Rabbit said, the winner of the pretty egg contest is... A loud crack rang out, then another and another. Looks like someone is chickening out of the egg contest, I told the captain. Penny, cried Henrietta. Mama, chirped the penny. The crowd was ecstatic as Penny took her first steps. The winner of the prettiest egg contest is Gertie, Miss Rabbit, Miss Rabbit announced. Gabby looked like she had just laid a golden egg. At long last, a spectacular, spectacular, I cheered. 12 p.m. case closed. Boys and girls, the case you've just read was about one poached egg and one rotten egg who turned out to be a greedy rooster. 
Every day, food goes missing on this farm. Sometimes it's lost. Sometimes it's stolen. Sometimes it runs away. And sometimes it might even hatch. With all these animals, you can be sure of one thing, trouble. It's sure to crop up. These are the cases for MFIs. Whatever the food, whatever the crime, MFIs make the bad guys do the time. No eggs, chickens, geese, or roosters were harmed during the writing of the story, but that doesn't mean there wasn't a bit of foul play. Would you tell us the name of the book one more time, Absolutely. Michaela? It's a Wilcox and Griswold mm. mystery, and it's The Case of the Poached Egg by Robin Newman and illustrated by Deborah Zimk. Great job, Michaela. Thank you. We've all enjoyed that. Now Cameron's going to talk about a superhero. He's another shirt. It's amazing how many shirts Cameron has. Um, so the superhero uh, for this week uh, is a part of a team. And uh, actually this superhero is one of the leaders of the team. But this superhero has the power to control weather. So the superhero can make it rain. Can, you know, throw lightning. So sunny? If it's, yeah, sunny. Ooh. So, you know, anything with weather, this superhero controls it. So that is the clue for the superhero of this week. Okay. And we need a clue for our next episode. Yes. Okay. The clue for the next episode is, I'll give it to you in just a minute, but this is a tough one. This may be one of the more difficult ones that we've done in all our episodes. So as to kind of fit with the book, we're going to separate the chickens from the flock in this one, okay? Because it's a difficult one. We're going to look to a person who is an author of a book about the Underground Railroad. See you next time. And thank all. Oh, but Cameron, you want to do a little plug on where to reach us? Yes. So if you would like to reach us, um, you can reach us on SoundCloud. Um, you can send us messages because that is where our podcast is. We're also on major podcast websites such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so you can find us there. And we also have an email, which is frostbergclc at gmail.com. Um, so if you'd like to reach out to us that way, you can. And then also on the Frostburg State University's website, in the little search box, if you type in CLC and go there, you can find out information about our podcast from there as well. So thank you very much. See you next episode. Thank you, Michaela. Absolutely. It's been fun, Super Sleuths. Now make sure to submit your answers to who you believe is our mystery famous person and the three vocabulary words. Also, be sure to look for future episodes of the Super Sleuth podcast on SoundCloud. And if you have any questions or comments, you can contact us on our SoundCloud page. Please join Bill and Cameron again for more time traveling. And in the meantime, great job, super sleuths. <laughs>